When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is your telephone number. We're taking it right up until 10 o'clock. Then Larry and Gordon will take over the festivities. Then at Dan Grasso is where you can get me on Twitter. We're hanging out with Harvey and Joe as well. They're producing the program this evening. Disappointing ending to what we saw last night at the Garden with the Knicks. And... You know, the Knicks are taking their fans on a ride this year, which it's not all bad, right? It's not. I mean, right now, if the season was over, you'd be in the playoffs. You'd be in the play-in tournament, but you'd still be in the playoffs. You have a winning record. Hope is not all lost completely. But as we always talk about with where the Knicks are situated, it is kind of like the version of NBA purgatory, right? You're, 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 You're good, but you're not great. You're good, but you're not awful. And what are the ways that you could go from good to great or just to get to great, period? Well, a couple of ways. Got to go out there and get yourself the transformative player who's going to shape the fortunes of your franchise. Or you're going to have to be really, really bad at the most perfect time when it comes to the draft and the draft lottery in a year that there is going to be one of these game franchise-changing superstars that's entering the draft like, you know, Shaq, Tim Duncan, LeBron, whoever, and you know that you got it made. Well... That can't happen when you're in the playing tournament, and that can't happen when you're the sixth seed, the seventh seed, the eighth seed, because you're not winning any lotteries anytime soon. You're kind of just there. So unless you look like you're a complete genius and you take a guy in the draft, like in the middle of the first round that not too many people know about and maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, you're kind of still just stuck in the same place, are you not? And where this team is right now, it's strange because... If they were in the Western Conference, well, not after last night's games and last night's results, but oddly enough, if the Knicks were in the Western Conference before last night's game, they would be fourth in the Western Conference standings. Like, you talk about a disparity. Remember for how many years, like, it was the West that was, like, superior to the East and the East was kind of like the JV? Knicks would have been fourth. But they also have a long way to go despite the fact that they have a winning record. And I think that you saw that last night. Look, the Lakers are not a great team. They're not. I mean, the Lakers aren't in the playoffs, right? The Lakers got a losing record. But they've got two high-end players that on any given night could go out there and be the best players on the floor, and they could find a way to beat you. And that's what happened last night. The Knicks got out-talented last night by two superior players. Now, we know that LeBron's, you know, at the end of the road and the end of his career. And Anthony Davis who was back in the starting lineup last night because he was coming back from injury and the minutes restrictions for him were gone. So he played 37 minutes last night. And, you know, he was able to do his thing because they've been bringing him off the bench since he came back from the injury. But the Lakers, like, you know, the Knicks don't have LeBron James, even 40-year-old LeBron James. Knicks don't have Anthony Davis, even though he's about as fragile as a, a, a popsicle stick. They don't have those guys. Knicks have nice players. Julius Randle's... A nice player. 
you know, and on some days against competition that might be a little bit more forgiving, he's a really, really good player. And he looks like he could be the best player out on the court. Jalen Brunson on a lot of nights. He's a really, really good player. But more often than not, in big spots against big-time teams, he's not going to be the best player on the team. And R.J. Barrett last night, and and this is the one that kind of gets me a little bit, what's R.J. Barrett? A nice player. And if you want to rewind back to the summer when we would have these talks about whether or not he was tradable in trying to get Donovan Mitchell. Well, isn't it funny that last night, a guy who was a keeper, a guy who was deemed untouchable by a lot of you Knicks fans, and you know who you are because I was talking to most of you when the decision had to be made and the rumors were out there swirling about them maybe getting Donovan Mitchell. Where was R.J. Barrett last night when the Knicks were trying to fend off the Lakers and win that game? You know where he was? He was sitting on the bench. Tom Thibodeau had him nailed to the bench. And look, he wasn't playing a great game up until that point anyways. He wasn't really contributing much. But there's a reason why Tibbs has him. And look, I understand that Tibbs, and there's a lot of people angry at him and his substitution patterns, like why is Obi Toppin only playing 10 minutes and why don't other guys get more looks? And last night is just another example of that. Like why isn't R.J. Barrett on the floor when you're trying to win a basketball game, right? He's one of your building blocks. He's a guy that you've already given the contract extension to. That much ballyhooed second contract. I don't think it would have made a difference in them winning the game. And that's the problem with the Knicks. Is that on most nights, the Knicks do not have the best player on the floor wearing a Knicks uniform. They don't. They're a nice team. And if they somehow get into the playoffs absent of the play-in tournament, like, you know, if they could finish in the top six, that's a good season. But there's still work to be done. And last night was another reminder. And the weird part about it is, is like I said, the Lakers aren't even, like, that great. Like, the Lakers aren't even the benchmark. They just got two really good Hall of Fame. One guy's an all-time great. And he still came in and beat you. Still found a way. You know, Julius Randle showed you on that kind of the, the microcosm, on that last possession. Couldn't even get a shot off. I'm not blaming the execution either. We talked about that earlier in the show. LeBron was on Jalen Brunson, and Brunson wouldn't have been able to get a shot off against LeBron if Randle couldn't get one off. So it's like, pick your poison. But we're constantly reminded about this. And, you know, I'll tell you, if you want to also look to where things can maybe be a little bit better for the Knicks, um, can you, I don't know. I mean, here's a thought. Can you maybe start winning games at home? You know, there is nothing in the rules that says a team can't win games on their home floor when things are supposed to be beneficial to you. And you're supposed to be in an advantage. Knicks are one of only five teams in the damn sport, in the entire NBA, that have a losing record at home. And they're the only ones that have a losing record at home that's actually currently still in a playoff position. How is that possible? You want to start turning things around? You want to start being taken seriously again? And I look, I know that they've made strides. I'm not sitting here trying to condemn them and say that, you know, they're the worst team in the conference and they're a laughing stock and they're a joke. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're on their way. But if you really want to show that you're turning this program around, you got to make this a building 
that's going to be difficult for opposing teams to just walk in and think, yeah, well, we got a great chance of winning this game because most teams do. I'm not just talking about the Lakers because you got guys on those teams that have won plenty of games in a lot more hostile buildings, way more so than MSG. It doesn't matter how many celebrities are sitting courtside. Doesn't matter how many tickets you give away to the to the A-listers and the stars and all those other things. You know what's going to turn things around? You know what's going to make that place difficult to play is winning games. Doesn't matter how loud the crowd is. That's got nothing to do with it. And, you know, I know the trade deadline is coming up, too. And you're starting to hear on all these rumors and, you know, OG Ananobi, for example. And, you know, that's a guy that's in their crosshairs. And, you know, he might be a nice fit here for them. I mean, really, I, I, I mean, I get it. But is OG Ananobi going to be another a guy who is going to change the fortunes of this basketball team? To me, OG Ananobi is a nice player. But when you bring him onto this Knicks team, like, how is he any different than the guys that you have already? Like, he's not going to elevate. First of all, you don't have that guy. As much as you want to, the closest thing that the Knicks have to the guy who elevates those around him is Brunson. Because that's his job as the point guard. It's to get people involved. But Brunson has also had to take on more of a lion's share of the scoring responsibility because they're deficient in a lot of areas in that regard. And I know that the picks, if they give up all these draft choices and whatnot, you know, they're not really highly regarded and so on and so forth. I, I, I get it. But you're giving up all this draft capital to bring in a guy like OG Ananobi, but it wasn't that long ago where you were so protective of these draft choices to go get somebody like Donovan Mitchell. I mean, did we need to be reminded any further? about how good of a player Mitchell is. And everybody wanted to, like, throw stones at him in the summer. Like, the R.J. Barrett truthers. And everybody that wanted to, you know, hold on to R.J. like dear life. No, oh, you, you know, Mitchell can't do this. Mitchell can, Well, Mitchell's got already a 70-point game this year. Tell me, tell me the last time and tell me the next time that a Nick is going to go out there and has a chance to score 70 points on a given night. And Mitchell reminds you again on most nights he might be the best player on the floor. And if he was wearing a Nick uniform, he'd be the best player on the floor on most nights. Certainly be the best player in a Nick uniform. And the guy that you didn't want to trade and the guy that you didn't want to give up in R.J. Barrett, he was sitting there nailed to the bench pretty much throughout the whole fourth quarter of that game. When you need your best players out there. And oh, by the way, ain't it funny in the third quarter when the Knicks kind of got back into it there at the tail end, when maybe it looked like the Lakers were gaining control of it? When did the Knicks make their push? They made their push when LeBron and Anthony Davis were on the bench. And that allowed them to get back into it. So in the fourth quarter, wouldn't you want R.J. Barrett out there if he's one of your guys? It's an imperfect mix right now. But it's not supposed to be the finished product. I do get that. But it doesn't mean it can't be frustrating. And now you got Miami coming in here tomorrow night, and that's a team that you're looking up at immediately to get out of that playing tournament territory. Right, You're only a game behind them before last night, but they won, you lost, so now it's a two-game lead. And I'd feel better about that game, to be quite honest with you, if it was in Miami. Because the Knicks are a better team away from Madison Square Garden. You think the Heat are going to fear coming into here tomorrow night? They say, of course not. You know, we'll make it our own home. Frustrating. And last night, a national TV game, all eyes on it. And I know that everybody was watching LeBron because, you know, the scoring record and you know, getting closer to Kareem and that sort of thing, which, by the way, doesn't do anything for me, and I'll tell you that coming up in just a bit, but I don't know. Let's take the pulse of the Nick fan right now. 
You encouraged? Are you discouraged? Do you have faith in the direction they're going? What do you make of the R.J. Barrett situation? You can admit that maybe you might have been wrong when you wanted to hold on to him for dear life in the summertime and didn't want to include him in any Donovan Mitchell package? Maybe, just maybe, having some doubts there? Maybe? 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Grasser Show, till 10, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Good effort so far by the Nets up in uh, Boston tonight. Trailed 46 to 16 at the end of the first quarter. Is that good? Is that what you want? I'm sure that wasn't part of Jock Vaughn's pregame speech to the guys. Hey guys, let's go out there and give up almost a 50 burger in the first quarter. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Quality defensive effort. They ain't winning. No, they're not. You never know, though, in the NBA. So, Knicks lose last night. And they still got a few more games left on this homestand. Miami coming in on Thursday. And then Saturday, you got the Clippers coming in. And then turning right back around in the uh, back end of the double dip there with the Philadelphia 76ers. And then they're going to see the Sixers in Philly next Friday. And then you got Utah, Brooklyn again, and then Atlanta going into the All-Star break. These are, you know, the only layup in there when you look at the schedule is really Orlando, you hope. They got one trip to Orlando sandwiched between those two Philadelphia games. You just wonder, right? Like if, and that's, let's see, one, two, three, four, that's eight games. I mean, if they go like two and six... Where are they going to be in the standings? And then what is that maybe going to signal to the front office once you have that pause for several days, or basically it's like a week, during the All-Star break? Is then that going to force them to push the panic button, do something drastic? Bottom line is there's not a move that could be made this year that's going to send the Knicks to bigger and better as far as this season is concerned, right? Unfortunately, I think that that's probably going to have to be something that waits till the offseason, if you want to really go out there and go big game hunting. But there is not going to be somebody available that's going to make the Knicks a championship caliber team or a team that's going to really put a threat into anybody in the Eastern Conference, at least so far this season. Disappointing, sure, of course. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Uh, here was Tibbs, by the way, last night after the game. We were talking about R.J. Barrett being nailed to the bench there. Why didn't R.J. play much? We're just looking for a group to, to get going, you know, so the group that was out there was what we went with. See, the problem is 
Tibbs plays nine guys. And with Mitchell Robinson out, that means more minutes for Isaiah Hartenstein. Now, look, Hartenstein, he's a nice player, but he's Isaiah Hartenstein. Isaiah Hartenstein should not be playing 40 minutes a night for anybody. Anybody. Like, even if he's at home playing video games, like 2K, he shouldn't be playing for 40 minutes. They should come take the controllers away from him like he's a a six-year-old that maybe did something bad. And he had a good game last night, but, you know, he's not somebody that should be playing those kind of minutes. So if the whole Ananobi thing, if you want to say that, you know, bringing him in, that's another, goes without saying, rotation player, and it maybe gives the coach some more flexibility as to how he's going to deploy his lineups the rest of the season. Because, look, it's February now. After you get past the All-Star break and whatnot, you're basically into March. You know, we're 50-plus games into the season. Legs start to get a little bit heavy. And these guys have been playing a lot of minutes. And, you know, load management, even though that's a big thing here in the NBA. But it's still a lot of games and a lot of minutes. So if you're playing a shortened rotation like Tibbs used to do, you probably want as many bodies on your roster that you trust giving significant minutes to. So that would be the saving grace to me if you are going to bring in somebody like an Ananobi. But to mortgage the future to do it? You'd have to think that this is, again, just one more move out of several that still have to be made to really make this club championship caliber, which is, I think, pretty obvious. Let's say hi to John in Long Island up next here on 98.7. Johnny, how are you? Hey, Dan. How you doing? John, what's up? Hey, uh, so I think a lot of the problems the Knicks have this year is Tom Thibodeau. Uh, I think he's, he's 67 years old, and we're watching young teams like the Memphis Grizzlies have a young head coach. The Boston Celtics have one of the youngest head coaches in the league. They're both tops in their division, and we're playing Randall 40 minutes a night. RJ, on a, when, he's, when he's on, is playing 40 minutes a night. And look, Randall, all, through all of his uh, bad play last year, never got benched in the fourth quarter like RJ did last year when we had OB top in the eighth overall pick. But, you know, he picks and chooses his favorites. He won't change. And, you know, it's time to go fresh. It's time to go young. And I'm sorry, Tibbs has got to go. I don't know if I'm at that point yet, John. I'm, I, I'm really not yet. And I thank you for the phone call. You know, and, and it's dangerous to bring up those other two circumstances with, with Boston and Memphis, like you said, because you know what the Celtics and the Grizzlies have? They've got all NBA stud players. I'm not talking about like, you know, all NBA third team. No, I'm talking about like top 10 players in the NBA in John Moran, of course, in Memphis and Jason Tatum in Boston. And oh, by the way, some pretty damn good ones, too, throughout the rest of that roster. Knicks don't have that guy. Knicks don't have a number one. And it goes back to really what I would say. You could use the same example that I mentioned with football, right? Like, you could be a coach, a good coach, a bad coach, but if you don't have the players who could go out there and get it done, they're the ones that make a difference. You know, when the games slow down, and it's hard to believe in the NBA that they do actually slow down, given the pace that they play nowadays, but... When they do slow down, like, who are you going to trust with the ball in their hands to make you a shot to get you a basket when you need it? I thought Donovan Mitchell was going to be, or not was, he is one of those guys. And that's why I was all in favor of going and bringing him in here. Knicks don't have one. Memphis has one. Boston has one. Kieran's up next in Middletown, 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Kieran, what's up? Hey, Dan, thanks for taking me, man. I wanted to, first off, apologize. I, I think Mitchell's better than a lot of us realize. But I think the one question I have is, we've seen the, we've seen the feeling when you have a too offensive-minded, 
smaller guard backcourt, realistically, you put you put Mitchell on this team. Do you think they're any better than Portland has been in the last five years? I just don't know if there's enough around them, even with another dynamo scorer. What are your thoughts? I think so. I, I really and truly do because think think about how thin the margin is right now, right? Like I, I mean, you look at the Eastern Conference standings, and look, I'm not. And, and to be fair, Kieran, in the summer when we debated this heavily about Mitchell, yay or nay, even then we said it's not like you're making him the final piece of the puzzle for a championship team. It's just another big step to get there, right? But, I think the right, question would. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> but if you're giving up. RJ, who, again, I think we overrated. If you're giving up three picks, whatever they were asking, what else do you have to make another push for the championship team? In my mind, that is, you know, unloading the clip and that's your final piece, no? Well, I mean, then you'd have to make another difficult decision maybe here on out with some of your other pieces. You know, Grimes is a guy which is kind of approaching, and Kieran, thanks for the phone call. Grimes is a guy who... Obviously, they think a lot of, and he's only a second-year player, and they still believe in the upside tremendously, and he's shown some things, right? He, he sh- I, I'm, I'm not exactly as gaga on Grimes as some other people are, but I understand the upside, and I get it. But here's the thing. If you want to get better, like if you really want to get better and become a legitimate championship-caliber team, you have to make tough decisions and maybe part ways with guys that you don't want to get rid of. Like in that case over the summer, R.J. Barrett, and you know what? Maybe even Quentin Grimes. If that next discussion comes up about another player who could be moved. Now, I just wouldn't do it for anybody. Like, I'm not doing it for OJ Ananobi. Got to be somebody more significant than that. Somebody who's going to make me legitimately, hands down, better. My buddy Ian Begley's reporting that, you know, we've kind of heard this. But he's reporting that Cam Reddish expects to be traded. And certainly he's not happy with his minutes. I mean, why would he be happy? I mean, when the hell was the last time Cam Reddish even played anyways? I think Bernard King suited up more recently for the Knicks than Cam Reddish. And, and, and that's another thing. Like, how fast it seems like we overrate these guys. Because remember at the beginning of the season, Cam Reddish, because of injuries, was getting starting minutes. And he was starting games. And he was doing some good things. Like, there were a couple of games where he actually, December 4th was the last time Cam Reddish played. So there you go. So... Reddish was doing some good things, and he was having a couple of good games, and it looked like, wow, maybe they tapped into something here because he was part of that class, right? He was with the Zions and RJ coming out of Duke that year, and you said, all right, well, they've got something. And I remember somebody telling me that year going into the draft that Cam Reddish was a guy who, if things broke a certain way and you're able to put him in, like, the ideal situation – he could flourish in the NBA. Like, he had that type of ability. You know, and that's obviously why Duke made him part of that big recruiting class. You know, Coach K saw something in him. And, you know, they saw him in practice every day. And they, they, they liked what you had there. But it just hasn't worked here. Now, is that Tom Thibodeau's fault? I don't think so. Because what was Cam Reddish in Atlanta before he came to the Knicks? Didn't the same thing kind of happen there? He fell out of favor with the Hawks. So, strike one in Atlanta, strike two with the Knicks. Maybe it's just on the player. And I get it that right now Tibbs isn't exactly the most popular guy amongst the Knicks fans. I mean, we've heard from a couple of them already. This one you might not be able to pin on the head coach, at least in my opinion. Sheldon in the car up next here on 98.7. Sheldon, how are we doing? Good. Three things. One, I think Tibbs is a great coach, and I'm blocking on the name. Who was the Giants coach, um, the football Giants, and then they got rid of him because he was an older, crockety guy, and they didn't... Tom Coughlin? 
great coach, and sometimes you just get rid of someone because you have to blame someone. I think Thibodeau is an excellent coach. I think two things should be done. When quickly plays, you see this guy wants to be playing. I would do what I could to get him into the starting lineup, and maybe Barrett should come off the bench, and maybe that would put some fire under him. Because I don't see Barrett playing with fire. And I think maybe it's time to see what Obi Toppin and Grimes can do. The thing about taking Barrett and and sitting him, you'll get ideas what these three young players can do. The problem with that, though, Sheldon, and and I thank you for the phone call, you've already made that commitment to R.J. Barrett, have you not? Right? You took him off the table for any sort of Donovan Mitchell talks over the summer. You gave him a contract extension. Wasn't it ironic? If I'm not mistaken, guys, right? The day that he was – didn't the Knicks announce the R.J. Barrett extension like the day or the day after Mitchell got traded to the Cavaliers, if I'm not mistaken? Like, right, it happened almost like at the same exact time. So the Knicks were basically like trying to sell their fans like, well, Mitchell's gone. But here's the good news. We didn't get Donovan Mitchell because we just signed R.J. Barrett a homegrown player to a second contract, which is like forbidden fruit for the Knicks. That doesn't happen every single day, every single year. You know, but RJ, he's been playing, you know, last night, for whatever reason, Tibbs wouldn't let him off the bench. But he's kind of just been RJ, right? He's doing his things. He'll have a really, really good game out of nowhere, but most of the time it's just good games. You know, give you 20 points, give you about, you know, Five or six rebounds, few assists. Maybe he shoots like, if you're lucky, 40% from three. Makes a couple of trifectas. You know, on the defensive end, he's working, but he is what he is there. That's what they have. And if he's not playing, see, what we have to kind of investigate and see how it unfolds here. Was last night a one-shot deal? Or is this going to be a repeated pattern moving forward? Meaning, is Tibbs going to be benching RJ for large chunks during crunch time? Or, all is going to be forgiven and he'll be out there next time. Maybe as soon as tomorrow night against Miami. If the situation presents itself. Because, if he's not going to get off the bench, then what the hell did you sign him for? Why'd you give him all that money? Because correct me if I'm wrong, Tom Thibodeau was the head coach of the Knicks in the summertime, was he not? So you knew that he would be here. He probably, I'm sure, had some input. Remember, he and Leon Rose are extremely close. I'm sure that he had an input or two as to what he really felt about RJ and whether or not it was worth giving him that money and keeping him around. Interesting. Got to see what happens here. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. More Nick calls. And also, with LeBron in town, and, you know, on the verge of history, is... Is the whole scoring record thing really that big to you? You know, because it's not so much about, like, LeBron. This is just, like, sports history happening. Is that something that you still get geeked up for in this jaded day and age that we all live in when it comes to sports and figures and stats and all those other type of things? Dan Grosser Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. I'll tell you, they got a. There is a war going on right now um, in the Big East tonight with Providence and Xavier. They're they're in overtime right now. What a! These are two of the best teams in the conference. I know that it might be still a little early for college hoops for some of you guys. I follow it. I love it. Um, 
And I'll tell you, the Big East is fun again. It really and truly is. You know, they had a little bit of a lull there, and, you know, certainly with realigning and everything in college basketball, but the Big East is back. Is back. So it's going to be fun once March rolls around, conference tournament at the Garden. And, you know, we might have some local flair this year. I know, you know, Fordham is off to a good start this season uh, at 18-4. and four, They had uh, Coach Ergo on on the K-Show at the tail end of it today, so that's good for them. And, who, my gosh, if they could ever steal a bid this year out of the A-10 and get to the tournament, um, that would be tremendous. Certainly my Rutgers uh, Scarlet Knights not only will be in the tournament, but they're going to be a factor, uh, you know, a second weekend type team, of course. So it'll be here before you know. And the cool part about it is, too, selfishly, there you go. Play that louder, please. Keep playing. About to tip off against uh, Minnesota at the rack. Or now Jersey Mike's Arena, which I still can't warm up to. I'm not even a big Jersey Mike's guy, to be honest. I, I think they're kind of overrated a little bit. Plus, the Danny DeVito commercials creep me out. You know, if there was some, like, little guy walking in and, like, you know, going up to people while they're sitting there trying to eat sandwiches and he's, like, rubbing his face, like, on, on the sandwiches, it's, it's kind of – it sends a bad vibe. I don't know, like – you know, what ad wizards that they consulted Jersey Mike's to think, hey, this was a, this is a good idea to try to sell sandwiches. Let's get like Danny DeVito in here and start, you know, essentially, you know, become like a glorified loiterer. What the F? But, you know, and I find them very expensive, too. Like when I have had Jersey Mike's, it feels like I'm paying like 13, 14 bucks for like a little tiny, like six, six inch sandwich. Anyway, you know, that's just me. Are you a big Jersey Mike's guy, Harvey? Because after all, you're uh, in Jersey. You'll laugh at me. Just had it, I believe, on Tuesday. Are you zero? so yesterday? Yeah, no, last Tuesday. I'm oh, sorry. last Tuesday. Last Tuesday had it. I was like, you know what? I went to the gym, did my thing. I'm just going to the Jersey Mike's here, and um, you had to refuel, fuel up, and uh, have a party. So I got the giant because I don't mess around. What did that cost you? About thirty-eight bucks. Uh, close. It was a 17, and it's like... Did you have to donate a finger or something to pay for that? You know that? what's funny? Uh, and I feel bad saying this. The lady yeah. that was, uh, like, trying to make a sandwich cut the bread, and as she cut the bread, she cut her hand. And I was wow. like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to see, like, a crime scene. All right, scene. wait up. So, time... Now, now we've stumbled upon something here. You got, like, murder mystery type music that you could play underneath this? That's what we need now. Let me see here. So, she's cutting your sandwich... Right? That's if I'm getting the story straight, if I'm getting the facts together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's cutting your sandwich. She cuts herself. Blood is drawn. Do I have the facts correct up until this point? I didn't see blood, but I did see um, she like ran back door in pain. So she immediately like vacated the sandwich prep area because she cut herself cutting your sandwich. Pretty much. Okay. Now the next question. Now, we know how the end of the story is because you're still here a week later. But Yeah, thank God. Was there any evidence that possibly... Yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is legit. Is there any evidence that maybe some of her DNA crept onto your sandwich? No, because uh, they replaced the bread. Like professionals, they, they threw out the bread... Um, the man- I would hope they threw out the entire sandwich. That's I was, what I'm getting at. I was hoping that they would throw out the entire like cutting board and whatnot. Well, they, you know what? <laughs> t- you know what? Let's take it a step further. Let's take it a step further. I think that also should have been up for discussion. Like clean the food prep area a thousand percent. Like bring in a cleaning crew, like they used to do during like COVID, when they would come in looking like astronauts in hazmat suits and clean that entire place. 
the woman just cut herself slicing your sandwich. She literally sliced her hand while slicing your sandwich. To me, all bets are off. And to me, nothing is more awkward than, you know, you cut your hand, you got a, an accident at the workplace, and your manager's like, you know, motivating you, like, hey, you, you're fine, you got this, and I'm just waiting, and I'm being apologized. That's what the manager was saying? She was like, he was like, hey, don't worry about it, chin up, you're fine. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm just, you know, cross-armed, and he's like, don't worry, sir, I'll get, I'll get to you in a minute. So, so basically... It's like it was like old school. It was like the old school motivation approach that the manager of that. Wh- where was the? Um, are you comfortable like disclosing what what Jersey Mike's it was? Like what? Shout out to uh, North Bergen. All right, North Bergen. Love North Bergen. All right, so the North Bergen Jersey Mike's, the manager there, believes that like you know, motivating by fear is the way to go. It was almost like you know the old school kind of like the the Bill Parcells. You know, the tough love type thing, trying to help out your players and to get the most out of them. That was how the North Bergen Jersey Mike's manager felt about trying to get the most out of his employees, correct? On the inside, I was like this. What the hell's going on out here? And I was just like, you know, I'm, eventually I get out of here. I got I to gotta go home. Did, let me ask you a question. Be honest with me. Did you ever think about leaving? Yes, 100%. Because, I, I, you know, I, I was like thirsty. Not thirsty, but, you know, you work out as hard as you do. You got to get something in your body. Of course. All I have was water. I mean, that, that can only carry it for so long. Right. You got to do more You, you got to do more than just water. But I, I don't know. You're a better man than me. Because if I saw that go down, I would have been like, guys, thanks, but no thanks. It would have been a tough look on me, I think. If I, if I see this crime scene going down, I see the manager trying to cheer her up. There's two other people behind me, and I just leave. What did the other customers do? Nothing. They just stood there. They stood there, and they, they said, forget it. I'll take the bloody sandwich. Well, there was no blood. At least from what I saw, there was no blood. But again, you said it might have crept onto, like, the cutting board and, the, and where they do, like, the condiments and stuff like that. So, and, and those, t- especially when they're really, see, that's my, 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 my beef, no pun intended, with some of these, like, sandwich places, is that they view it as, like, they treat it like an assembly line. Is that like they just take the sandwich, the bread, and then it's like whoosh, and then they just like sweep it over, and then like all the other garbage that was like lying around there, your sandwich then almost gets like cluttered up with all of that, and then that garbage is now part of your sandwich on the bread, and I, I hate that. That's how I feel about Chipotle sometimes. I went Yes! To, I was at Chipotle last week. Yes! And I was getting a bowl, and the guy before me was getting a burrito. And he's ordering this and that and this and that. And the poor kid is holding this burrito and it breaks up in front of him. And the guy's like, you know, can I get another one, please? Because that one's broken. Yes. Up. I was like, oh, my goodness. See, I, I mean, we're speaking the same language here. And I thought it was only like me being the neurotic. But no, this happens. Like these are real life first world problems that are important to people. And you know what? Look, this is I get the food service industry. It's a mixed bag. And they're doing you a service, but it is their job, so they are getting paid to do it. But if you're paying them for whatever they're going to charge, shouldn't you at least get something of quality for what you're paying for? And in this case, with a sandwich, I mean, to be able to get a nice, you know, hero sub, whatever you want to call it, without one of the workers' blood on it, that's not too much. You know what? I'll pay extra to ensure that I get a sandwich without somebody's blood on it. How about that? You'd be a better man than me. I'd probably just, you know, just eat the parts without the blood. I, 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 I got to be honest with you, dude. I would have walked out. I think if you like, I think this conversation has led you to lose respect for the Jersey Mike. Well, I told you I'm not a big fan to begin with for a lot of reasons, but but now on top of this, yeah, you're darn right. I, I don't, I'm, I might not go back. I would have walked out. I, I, you know what? I don't even have to give it a second thought. I know I would have walked out.
And even if they would have fought me on the fact that, well, no, man, the sandwich is made. I'd be like, yeah, but I didn't order blood. I would have probably just thrown them like a 20 or something and be like, here, I'll pay to not have to eat that. How long would you have let, like, this happens. Mm-hmm. She cuts her she cuts her hand, she goes to wash it off. Right. How long are you waiting I'm until gone. leaving? I'm gone already. Immediately. She could she could have emerged handless. Like I mean like it could have been like 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 she could have sawed off her hand with a chainsaw potentially. I wouldn't have been there to see the aftermath. I so, would have been gone. So by the time she reaches the sink, you're already in your car. Gone. I'm not even in the county probably. You know what? I might even be just like in terms of spite. I might be at a competing establishment, maybe getting something entirely different for lunch. See, that's my that's probably my other issue because nearest to the uh Yeah. Jersey Mike's it was a Wednesday a Wendy's and there was a subway inside of Walmart, but I'm not I wasn't gonna walk that no, far th- for th- it. Th- that, that that defeats the purpose. You might as well go to Walmart if you're gonna go into the Walmart to use the subway. Like that's you how know, long you did you that. wait for this sandwich? Oh, this is a good I wanna say six, seven minutes. Oh my gosh. Dude. Six seven minutes. You got it. You're gone. Go. You, you you could have gotten Wendy's and been out of the drive-through by the time that this you got your sandwich. How <laughs> is it? How is it? Would have been cheaper. All right, jo- Joe. Now there's another whole kind of thing to, to this story too. So you said you came back from the gym, right? Yes. Okay. So you came back from the gym. You go to the gym to work out, to exercise, to 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 make your body better, to do right by your body. Why are you gonna put crap and fast food like Wendy's into your body? Doesn't that defeat the purpose of going to the gym? Look, I think I worked too hard to the point that I didn't have any good thoughts in my mind. So I just thought, you know. Apparently. But, like, you see, like, you're you're doing half the battle, and you're doing right by going to exercise. Like, I commend you for that. That's great. It's fantastic. But then you're almost erasing everything that you did at the gym by putting all that cholesterol and all unhealthy stuff in your body. Well, I wasn't going to eat the whole sandwich. I was going to give half to my mom. Because the sandwich, apparently, they, they track these calories now for the items. I think the calorie count for the giant was, like, at least a thousand. You have a good relationship with your mother. Yeah, of course. What then why? Then why for a second were you going to serve her a bloody sandwich? There was no blood on the sandwich. And you waited six, seven minutes, as we found out, to potentially give your mother half of a bloody sandwich. No blood in the sandwich. I waited well, as long as an NFL challenge on the field. Pretend, pretend I'm a, a detective here with the NYPD, and I'm coming here trying to sort out the story based on the facts you're giving me. Here's what I arrived at: You waited six, seven minutes. You were going to bring lunch to your mother, and you were going to give her a bloody sandwich. Now, I'm going to have to dive a little bit deeper into the family dynamic because maybe there's a situation going on in the home front that maybe this was like a long-arranged plot by you to maybe get mom out of the picture, or am I digging too deep? <laughs> You're saying that at the, at the beginning of the day, I started the day with a gym workout, and I just planned to give my mom a bloody sandwich. Correct. Listen, if she passed away, you're first on the list. Like you, you're the first suspect. First call. No, I'm I'm throwing that lady under the bus. Well, right, but you're the first suspect that's called. I'll take it a step further. Like uh, I got a whole Law and Order episode right now. That I mean, if anybody's listening, I mean, at least give Grasa some credit here. If you're gonna like, if I turn on the TV and see this exact plot play out like a year from now, like I know who to call, and and you're gonna hear from my attorney. Exactly. How do we know? That the woman who allegedly, allegedly cut herself at the Jersey Mike's was not in on this whole plot together. I don't think she was expecting me. <laughs> uh, again, you portray it that way. What if, you, what if you knew this person? What if you cooked this whole thing up? 
You know, this is all. This is the payoff at the end of the episode where people are shocked. They're like, oh, my, wait a second. He knew the one that worked at Jersey Mike's and they were in on this together to run mom out of the way? Wow. I just have one last that's question. That's twisted, bro. That, that's really tw- I didn't think you had it in you. I mean, I've known you a little while here. You know, you're, 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 you, you work hard. You do great work and you're a good dude. But, but this, I didn't think you had it in you. I got to be honest. One last question. Yeah. Did did the woman or the manager at least wipe down the yeah condiment area with like a <laughs> with the with the same towel that they've used for the last half hour right. to like, wipe down ninety seven other sandwiches too or or like a fresh like clean like Clorox wipe oh. like did that Ooh. did they take at least the liberty to wipe down the area before remaking your sandwich they did wipe down the area and just to uh, go extra on the sandwich I told the man hey can you put it on the on the grill. Just to just to like burn up any like germs or whatever oh inf- infected was on it. All right, we got to go to a break because I think the NYPD is calling. Are we sure right about now. this? I got I to gotta, I gotta answer some questions. We'll see if there's a show when we come back. Maybe Harvey won't be here now that we know what he's capable of. Grass at 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. See what you got me into, Harvey. Now, I, I, you know, tomorrow is supposed to be my day off. Now. They want me to come down to headquarters to answer questions. Like, how long have you been working with Harvey? How well do you know him? Things like that, probably. Is he generally in a good mood when it comes to work? Look, I'm, I'm, I'm innocent in all this. I don't know. They got your statement on the, you know, it's going to be on the podcast. All they got to go is, uh, you know, go to the ESPN New York app, and they're going to find out everything they need to know, probably. You know what? If, they, if, this, is, if this is the road we're going to go down... <laughs> Apparently that's 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 the road, that's the road. Then I think in the next seven days I'll have to go down to Jersey Mike's again. Well, at least give me a heads up if you're going to be missing a couple of shows, just so we can you know try to plan around it. Because the show must go on. And you've already disclosed the location. They might uh, they might do something weird. That's true. You imagine that place right now if they're listening to the show. I wouldn't go back to that location. Wow. You talk about what it would do for business if they're listening to that show right now. Or if somebody's like in their car listening and they were like, they pulled up to, to that place specifically and were about to go in and get something. And then like, maybe not. And it's a chain, so there's going to be chain. Sus- suspicions of other places there too. There you go. Uh, LeBron James at the Garden last night had his first triple-double of the season, believe it or not. Right? He thought, hey, LeBron, triple-double. He probably has a few of them this year. No, last night was the first one. Of course, it came at MSG. Uh, and he's even closer to eclipsing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the NBA's all-time scoring record. He's now less than 100 points away. He is 89 points from passing Kareem and becoming the greatest scorer that the NBA has ever known. Uh, What were his thoughts about that, and how much motivation does it serve? LeBron, how conscious are you of the scoring record while you're playing the games? Not at all. Um, I didn't get to this point in my career by thinking about, you know, know, records or how many points I have or whatever the case may be. I just played the game the right way. Um, you know, I, I approach the game every night on trying to be a triple threat by, you know, scoring, rebounding, assisting, you know, defending, you know, and then, um, you know, later, you know, made the chips fall where they may. So, um, I think maybe if I get, when I get close, super duper close, maybe it'll be in the back of my mind or in the front of my mind, but, um, I don't put that, I don't ever put that type of pressure on myself. I just go out and play. Well, see, he doesn't worry about it, but I guess like, you know, we're kind of hearing some things that he wants to do it at home. Is where he wants to break the record. He wants to do it in L.A. in front of the fans and, you know, as opposed to just being in some of the gym. Although if it happened in Madison Square Garden, that would have been pretty cool. You know, that was one of the reasons that supposedly he didn't play in the Brooklyn game night before. 
right? I mean, you want as many cracks at it as you can. But, you know, there's a chance now that he could do it in front of, um, you know, his fans out there. The thing about it, though, and we kind of always get into these conversations whenever you're comparing and contrasting players of different eras, and it's difficult. You know, a lot of LeBron James, you know, look, and he's had a great career. It's one of the great careers of all time. He's played for 20 years, done it at an extremely high level, still doing it at a high level. But the game's different. You know, when Kareem played, the game was different. You know, you can make an argument that Kareem still had the most unstoppable, the single most unstoppable shot in the history of the game, and that was his sky hook. You know, and, and Kareem played in an era where the center and the big man dominated the game. That was the era of the Giants. Now, you know, the majority of LeBron's career, it's, you know, kind of morphed into a wing game. And oh, by the way, you know how many, you know how many three-pointers Kareem Abdul-Jabbar made in his entire career in becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer? You know how many threes he made? That's right. One. Made one three-pointer. You know how many LeBron's made? About 2,200 more than Kareem. All right, so do some simple math. If you're trading threes for twos, kind of makes it a little bit easier to add up all these points if every time you shoot one that goes in, you get three points for it, and the other guy was only getting two points for it. You know what a lot of the damage that Michael Jordan did throughout his career, scoring all those points and winning all those scoring titles and MVPs, most of it was coming inside the three-point arc because back when Jordan played, they didn't shoot as many threes as they do now. Game has changed. And that's not taking anything away from these guys and not saying that they're good and that they don't excel in in the era in which they play, but the facts are the facts. I mean, there was no such thing as a three-point shot for the majority of, uh, or at least the first half of Kareem's career. You know, so it wasn't even an option. But you don't hold it against him. He did what he had to do during his era. LeBron's playing the game like he's playing it in his era here. But that's why it's so difficult to sit here and say, this guy's definitively the best, the best, the best. And if you want to incorporate all these things into the discussion, I think you have to. That is a big, big advantage when you can shoot the three-point shot and you got 2,000-plus more of them than the guy you just passed had. And that's a problem with, you know, maybe baseball has something to do with it. And even, like, you know, steroids killed the baseball record books and all those chases and all those numbers that we used to revere as sports fans growing up, that went all out the window because of the steroid era. And now you kind of take everything with a grain of salt. Football, you know, rules were changed to make things more difficult for the defense. It became much more of an offensive, wide-open game. And that's why you're seeing every quarterback now and their mother throw for 4,000-plus yards in a season and all the passing numbers are inflated. Right, And back in the day, the greatest quarterbacks of all time, they just didn't throw the ball as much. And it was a lot more difficult to complete passes and throw for big yardage as it is now. It doesn't make them any lesser players. It's just that the game was different. So you can acknowledge, you can give respect, all that stuff, but you just have to at least, at least point out the fact that, yeah, things were different in a lot of ways when so many of these great athletes played in their respective era. All right, one more hour to play with. We'll keep the conversation going with the hoops. We'll also... Here from Aaron Rodgers. Is there a chance that he could maybe be the Jet quarterback next year? Dan Gross's show for another 60 right here on 98.7 ESPN.